Welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. Welcome, Jeremy. How are you doing this week? Good, buddy. It's a sunny week here in Seattle, and um, I got a lot done, so I'm happy. Well, a week with stuff done is always pretty good. Excellent, excellent. How was your week? Uh, I didn't get as much done because it's a research week, so but hopefully wrap it up and put a bow on it and then take the weekend and do nothing, so that's the plan. It's always nice when you can do nothing. Exactly, exactly. So uh, a quick rundown of a few links that we found this week. First one, a lap around Microsoft Graph Toolkit, Season 2. Have you, uh, you got some insight into what uh, we're talking about here? Yeah, so um, Nicola and Beth and Elise and Shane and the crew that work on Microsoft Graph Toolkit, this is like the second part of the series, um, which kind of stands on the success of what we did with the 30 Days of Graph that Brian Jacket headed up. And is now in my team, which is awesome. Um, and this one is talking about everything that we did at Build and highlighting the uh, moderator app that we demoed, which in actual fact is an update here. Um, breakouts are coming into Teams uh, in the roadmap in the next week or so. So the moderator app showcased how you could do breakouts and um, the toolkit, lap around the toolkit for the next few posts is going to be kind of covering all that stuff off. So the moderator app is a good example of like how you call graph inside teams and using react and our sdks and the toolkit but in reality like the functionality is going to be in teams and it's quite funny because we demoed it in an exec meeting like a few months ago of like here's what we're going to do at build and jeff teeper is in a room is like okay well we're shipping this and i was like that's awesome because everyone that we've spoken to is like we really need breakouts yeah so the, the lap around the graph toolkit will kind of go through that in more depth so i love these series where they break it down following a conversation that's happened in a hallway and people have wrote blogs about it which is great yeah and i saw uh, uh one written by hugo bernier who is uh, yeah, mvp right. so I, I think the series is expanding the author list a little bit right so which is which is good to see yep yep, yep. there's a few more special guests coming too which is awesome so if you're interested in the toolkit and you want to get involved we're actively looking for more people to help and um you know build web components out and it's been really exciting to see how many people are using it already. Yeah, excellent. The next news uh, I saw was uh, kind of not really a surprise, but using SharePoint framework components on Microsoft Teams personal apps is in preview now. Uh, the the primary difference is that personal apps or what used to be called static tabs in the SDK inside of Teams don't let you do configuration. And obviously, SPFX has a whole configuration scheme built into it. So there was some work that Tim had to do, as my, my guest, to, to support that. So in preview now, you'll be able to use a SharePoint framework web part as a Teams personal app. So that's good to see that moving along. That's cool. I use quite a few personal apps internally, so the fact that enterprises can use SPFX to do that is really neat. Next one is a new Office 365 Groups mail connector. Um, initially, this caught my eye because they're not called Office 365 Groups anymore, or so I thought. <laughs> right. But, um, right hand, left but hand, maybe it is. tree shaking in the middle. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. Um, uh, a, a Power Automate connector so it's a different org i totally get that right so um well to be fair we only just had a discussion this week with the microsoft graph docs and doing a final replace of office 365 groups with microsoft 365 groups so they're not you know 
they shall not be punished for this one for sure. Like branding changes take time. <laughs> I totally, I totally get it. But what what is interesting is in the first couple of paragraphs they reference the Microsoft Graph repeatedly how they're using the, the yeah, yeah. Uh, the API and stuff. So it's kind of yeah. like you know dog fooding or maybe it's the right term, but but Microsoft is using the API just like uh, external folks can do as well, which is again driving home that point of uh, it's the it's the API for everything. So it's really cool to see. Yeah, the the first party equals third party thing, and and coincidentally we just met with them this week um, to talk about how we can do this at at more scale. So right now there are a bunch of like shrink wrapped connectors that you can use in power apps and power automate flow is always going to be there for me. And one of the challenges is, is that it would be quite a big task to go build connectors for every single API call inside the graph because there's, you know, 10,000 of them. We're working with them on um, breaking up the graph surface layer into a series of, um, logical groupings and abstracting the need to understand the rest um, because right now a lot of people use HTTP connectors to call graph when they can't there isn't an out-of-the-box connector and the chat there's the other challenge using HTTP connectors is that you need a specific license of power automate to do that uh, whereas these connectors like this shrink wrap one that works with you know when a new mail comes in to a group mailbox do something that this will really, really um, help people to scale. And so we're, we're actually designing what that might look like and we're leveraging OpenAPI to do it. And so if anyone is using HTTP connectors with um, Power Automate, Power Apps right now to call the graph, um, please reach out to me on Twitter, jthake, and let me know. And um, we're going to do some roundtables with our team and their team just to understand whether what we're designing is a is going to work for them. But this one's really neat. Like they basically shrink wrapped a bunch. So like when message comes in, forward it to someone, um, you know, like get the whole contents of it, list the attachments from it, um, list the conversation thread in total on it. And so there's a bunch of like really good business rules you could use. And that they've been quite smart in the sense that you pass in the group ID and it does everything else. You don't have to frame up any of the graph calls and stuff. So super citizen development orientated way of using the power of the graph, which I absolutely love. And we monitor the usage of these things because they use different app IDs for each one of these groups of connectors. And it's quite incredible the numbers we're seeing of people using these things. So it's exciting to work with that team more and, you know, put the power of the Microsoft graph into the hands of uh, developers a bit more. Yeah, you know, what strikes me is that listening to you describe that is, you know, I know the SDKs are generated based on the, you know, the API documentation and there's, as you said, there's thousands and thousands of them. But for folks using Power Automate or Power Apps, they really have a business scenario in mind, not the core, Correct. you know, CRUD yeah. operations that a developer would use. So it's nice to see that it's a, it's a abstraction above that to, yeah, yeah. to say what are the scenarios. So, yeah, I would, I would second your call and say if you have business scenarios in mind that you are hacking away in inside of uh, you know HTTP connectors. Reach out to Jeremy and get those business scenarios out there because they may be something they can work on. So that's pretty cool. And, and it makes Daryl happy in our team because he you know obviously being on the foundation for OpenAPI, which they just did a new release candidate version, which apparently said took three years. Things move slow in the schema definition, I guess. And um, it's this is all leveraged in OpenAPI, which is actually how the PowerShell SDK is generated too. Um, our .NET, Java, JavaScript ones are actually generated using our CSDL, not the open API. So yeah, it's cool to see how all these things come together. It's exciting. 
All right, so the last link I found, finally a community link, and, and uh, of course, uh, one of the fe re recurring visitors on our blog is uh, Waldeck Mastercars, and Waldeck has a post about storing user settings in uh, in OneDrive for OneDrive for Business. So um, another great post from Waldeck, who coincidentally will be on the show in a couple, three weeks. I'm not sure how far out, but he said come back and talk about the CLI. But anyways, Waldeck's had a great step-by-step. Uh, -step. Well, here's an approach you can do to store program apple or application settings data in the user's OneDrive folder so that it's kind of out of it's tucked in a corner you can't you don't necessarily see it in the OneDrive user interface so it's pretty interesting read so great great to see Waldeck uh moving on posting great stuff the one thing I'll call out and when you sent this link I was like wait a minute we don't support this is it stores it in me slash drive slash special slash app root and you can just basically drop files into that folder. Um, the reason I say, wait a minute, we don't support it is if you are using a personal account, like an Outlook.com, Hotmail, MSN, Xbox.com account, what you can actually do is use a specific permission scope. And what that permission scope does, which is called files.app folder, is when the app consents to that permission scope, it only gets access to that special fold, special app root folder. It doesn't get access to the, the entire OneDrive of that user. Unfortunately, we don't support that with organizational users. Um, so this is kind of, it's useful in the sense that it's a, every app gets these app root folders. Um, but for organizational accounts, you'll have to use file.readwrite permissions to access it, which essentially means that your application gets access to all of that user's OneDrive, even if the only calls you do in the re requests is to the app root folder. So just calling that out because I know we have a lot of our ISVs that are asking for this capability on organizational accounts that um, unfortunately the SharePoint OneDrive team won't prioritize that. So please go Vote up the user voice if you think this is cool and would love more least privileged permissions to access those things. Yeah, you know, another thing this calls out is is thinking through if I have an application and I need to store information, where do I put it? There's been chatter about using the extensions on the graph or, again, in OneDrive or create some other kind of storage. So it's it's not an easy problem to solve, and I like to see that some good minds, you know, the, the, some of the best minds in development are, are thinking about it and presenting alternatives. So very cool. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. And he's using the uh, JavaScript SDK too, which is high fives to Waldeck too. So I think he's using the Graph Client. <laughs> yeah, you know, I saw the JavaScript and I quit looking, but now that I look closely, I do. I, I see that. All right, buddy. Well, this week, speaking of using um, SharePointy things, we have a, a guest from the product group, Lincoln Damaris, who is the guy in charge of lists. At least that's how I describe Lincoln. He's probably he's got a better title that he'll he'll cover. So, uh, for most folks who who've had their head under a rock, uh, lists got some prominent airtime between the uh, build and the virtual summit and stuff like that. So, lists are a big thing now. Microsoft lists, and Lincoln talks about that, uh, gives us the overview, and we have a ton of links in the show notes about. About the, how the lists are evolving and how you can access them. And uh, I think it was a, a pretty good. Now, I know that if you're looking for hardcore details, you're not going to see that, but he does a great job of positioning how a developer could use uh, the, the technology going forward. So good to see. That's cool. Thanks for driving that one. I threw a few questions at you to ask during the interview, so I appreciate you doing those too. Yeah, sadly, I quit looking at the Twitter stream as I was talking to him, and I missed some of them. I think I missed some of them. Well, I guess we'll find out. But, uh, you know, if I, if there's a question that you, a listener, asked and didn't get asked, feel free to let us know. We'll, we can certainly route these questions back to the to the folks as necessary. Yeah, totally. And, in fact, you know, we, we, last week we talked with uh, Nick Muller about Code Spaces, which hasn't been published yet, but but a question came up on Twitter, and I forwarded it right to him, and he hopped on with an answer right away. So we're happy to make that connection for listeners too. So uh, great. 
great stuff. Anyways, have a good weekend, buddy, and we'll chat next week. Cheers, bye. So this week on the podcast, we're delighted to have Lincoln Damaris. Welcome, Lincoln. Hello, how's it going? Um, we're terrific. And can you uh, give our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so my name is Lincoln Damaris. I'm a program manager at Microsoft. And recently I've been involved in uh, working on Microsoft Lists. I've been at Microsoft for 14 years, working in the sort of SharePoint universe for the whole time. And over the past couple of years, I've been focused on turning SharePoint lists into this uh, wonderful new product we're calling Microsoft Lists. And as in case folks couldn't figure out, our topic this week will be Microsoft Lists. So let's start with what is this? Uh, well, lists have been around forever. And as you said, you've worked on them for quite some time. So what's the, what's the initial, what is a Microsoft Lists product that we're getting? SharePoint lists have been around for a couple decades now uh, as part of the core SharePoint offering. And millions of users today use SharePoint lists to track, manage, and organize structured information for their teams. And the thing that you should think about Microsoft lists is it's not some brand new thing that we built for the, uh, from the ground up. It's an accelerated set of new capabilities on top of SharePoint lists. So if you're one of those millions of customers who uses lists today to get work done, you're gonna be seeing a lot of improvements, a lot of new features, a lot of bug fixes, a lot of performance improvements, just a lot of good stuff uh, coming this summer. And in fact, coming over the next couple years, like our announcement at Build is a clear signal to the world that this is a major focus area for uh, the SharePoint team and for Microsoft. And so if you're a list fan today, you're going to be delighted by what's coming down the line. And if you're not a list fan yet, if you don't use SharePoint list to do anything, well, I, I hope that what you see coming this summer maybe uh, maybe brings you over to our side and, and you uh, start to adopt us. You start to uh, see what we have to offer and evaluate whether it makes sense for some scenarios in your organization. And so my first question, uh, as I've been at SharePoint for quite a while as myself, is is this really new or is it taking lists out of SharePoint and putting them in their own thing or both? Nope. Lists are still in SharePoint. There is no new backend. And so everything you love and everything you hate about uh, <laughs> sort of the, the SharePoint sort of layer underneath the user experience is, is still there today. And so every every list that you have in a, in a communication site or a team site, those are just going to get better and better and better. You don't have to learn any new paradigms for interacting with those lists if you don't want to. However, the, the kind of big new thing that we're launching this summer is if you look in your M365 app menu, you're going to see a new option there called lists with a fancy new icon and a fancy new product named Microsoft Lists. When you click that, you're going to be taken to a homepage experience, which is sort of your one-stop shopping point for working with all of your lists. And so there's going to be lists across all of your team sites showing up there in the recent list section. You can favorite lists to, to put them in your collection to easily get back to later. And if you're, if you're a team site list user, think of that as a page that makes it easy just to get back to all of your lists. You don't have to dig through all your SharePoint sites to get back to the right one. They're just all right there. Aside from that homepage, another new thing that we're bringing to the table is the ability to create personal lists. Every list today uh, exists in you know, either a team site or a communication site or any other SharePoint site. Those of you who have been with us for a long time understand that there's this sort of underlying architectural thing in SharePoint called a my site or a personal site. And even though we don't 
surface that site to end users. Experts and geeks know that OneDrive for Business files are stored in that personal site. We're now, now allowing you uh, to create lists inside that personal site as well. So you can click a big new button at the top of List Home. You can create a list. You can pick the storage location for that list in one of your team sites or in your, in your personal site. And so personal lists are great because they're private to you until you decide to share them out, just like personal files in OneDrive. So if you're the kind of person who likes to work in private, get things all ready for your team, and then share it when it's ready, that option is great for you. I, I like this. It kind of puts it on par with my documents, right? I'm storing them in a team or I'm storing them in my OneDrive, so now lists have a similar paradigm, it seems to me. So I, I kind of like that approach, right? You got it. And so think of that list home as sort of like for lists, what OneDrive for Business is for files. OneDrive for Business is sort of a one-stop shopping point to get back to all your work files, personal files, and shared files. List Home is just the same way. Excellent. And so now, do I need to get a different SKU, or what SKUs are our lists coming to, this experience that you're talking about? If you've got SharePoint, you've got lists. So, you know, okay, it, that's it, easy. Yep, it's super, <laughs> super cut and dried. I like to keep things simple. Otherwise, they get scrambled up in my brain. Uh, things get lost. So, yep, if you got SharePoint, you got lists. You know, historically, SharePoint lists have had many different templates, uh, calendars and tasks and contacts. Is that all still the same? I don't know if you phrase that, right? So I know as we transition to modern, many of those templates kind of have lagged behind or, or not been visible or, or have gone away. So is it still, I'm guessing we have the same scenario now in this new capability, or do we look for more templates coming down the pipe? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, a bit of a history lesson. Uh, back in like 2007, SharePoint lists had all sorts of fancy templates, like tasks and calendars and all sorts of cool stuff. And then, uh, you know, those sort of beleaguered for a while. And then in, in 2016, we released Modern Lists. And Modern Lists didn't have any templating capabilities. You could get a, uh, you could get any list you wanted as long as it was blank, right? And so uh, we're bringing back as part of our summer launch the notion of modern list templates. And so when you click the new button for a list, you get a few different options. We're going to ship with eight to 10 of these. Uh, there's going to be an issue tracking list. There's going to be an event itinerary list. There's going to be a new hire onboarding list, all sorts of lists for different purposes. And, and we're doing templates a little bit differently this time around. If you're familiar with SharePoint site designs, uh, it's sort of a declarative language that really lays out a set of instructions for the provisioning engine to execute when it creates a site. We're adopting that same technology for lists. And so everything in a list template, um, well, let me say it this way. There's no special magic in our list templates this time. List templates are just uh, a set of default schema, a set of default formatting, views, and eventually content uh, that comes along with the new list. There's no sort of special application, uh, like there's no C-sharp code under the covers that's driving functionality behind our templates. It's just pre-configured lists. When we go out this summer, we're going to offer a set of first-party templates. Down the road uh, later this year, we're going to open that up to, to organizations to define their own templates by creating those declarative site, uh, site design-based sort of uh, manifests and register those in a way so they show up to your end users. Okay, and and so if uh, folks are using SharePoint lists for to-dos or calendar items, I'm guessing the answer would be, well, why don't you use a, an application that's geared for that task, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, how does this fit in with things like Planner and To-Do or, or Outlook? Yeah, that's a, that's a rich textured conversation there. You can use lists to manage to-dos and calendars because fundamentally, lists are a flexible tool. What can you build with a list? Well, you can build anything with a list that you can build with a database. What can you build with a database? Everything. So yeah, if you want to manage 
tasks, you fundamentally have a lot of different options because a task is, is at its heart a, a table of data. Planner is going to remain for, for quite some time the de facto way of managing. It's, it's the easiest way to provision a task board for your team and move things through a swim lane. Um, and so today, my team uses Planner for certain uh, scenarios. Even though we're the list guys, we still use Planner for certain cases where you want a fast and snappy uh, Kanban board to move things through a swim lane. Boy, Planner is the best way to do that. Lists, though, are fundamentally a more flexible tool. And so there's more power there in customizing schema and data types for particular scenarios. So one of the things that we're bringing to, to list though as part of the summer release is this modern calendar view. And so SharePoint diehards uh, know back in that sort of 2007 era, we had a great calendar view inside the, the event list type. Uh, we are bringing a modern calendar view that can be created on any list. And think of that as just a visualization on top of list data. And so if one of the columns in your list is a date time column, you can now visualize that data inside of a calendar so you can see which item corresponds to what day or day range. What do you envision as an ideal use case for this new list's capabilities, or, or, or is that really kind of what's in the, the out-of-the-box templates? Yeah, you know, I mean, customers use lists to track issues, assets, routines, contacts, inventory, and pretty much anything else, right? It's, it's a flexible tool that can really, any sort of structured data you want to track, I think list is the tool for that. Oh, okay. And, and next I want to get into kind of how you would see the power platform integrating with, with lists. And so I've, I've, the first question is, is there some redundancy with the common data service or is there an e cut and dried way to say use lists or common data service in your opinion? Yeah. You know, I, customers today are having a ton of success using lists in conjunction with the power platform to build totally custom line of business applications. If you look up Microsoft case study, there's some great examples where, for example, one retailer is using lists today to track retail inventory, retail promotions, sales, and all of that. And, and people on the ground uh, don't interact with that list directly. They interact with the power app and they pull open the power app and they see sort of what's available, what the specials are for their particular retail location. So customers are having a lot of success with that today. And we're going to continue to deepen those connections between lists and the power platform because that's a great way to squeeze a ton of power uh, out, of, out, of our, out of our platform, right? When it comes to lists versus CDS, I guess there's sort of a, a spectrum of out of the box does a lot or totally bespoke, right? And when you think about power platform against CDS, that's more on the sort of totally bespoke side, right? That's a truly flexible, it's a, it's a literal application platform on top of a database platform. Uh, LIS is, is, is more sort of geared towards out of the box, uh, sort of rapid application development sort of scenarios, right? So you can provision a list, create some columns, create some basic conditional formatting, layer on some rules, layer on some flows, and, and just about anybody could stand something up. They can stand up something that's credibly, uh, could be referred to as, a, as an application for their business. Uh, but then if you need something totally bespoke, yeah, you're, you, maybe you want to roll up something in CDS, it talks to the Power Platform, and, and you know I don't want to say lists are limiting, but fundamentally, anytime you have a, a storage layer that's geared towards out-of-the-box rapid application development, there are a set of constraints and a, a, you know, a set of physical laws, right? Maybe CDS removes some of those physical laws, but it requires a lot more work up front to go and stand something up. 
you mentioned the word limit, and of course that that triggers the the, the most common. I know he's shaking his head for those who can't see it, right? So, do we do we still have limits to how well does list scale? Is any of these releases power improving the the back end from that perspective? And again, remember we have a dev audience, and we're trying to tell them it's not it's not a relational database you're building on. But the, so, but I know there's some improvements that have happened over the last couple of years. Can you just speak to the state on that? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I I dropped the line earlier earlier that I, uh, everything you know, love and about about SharePoint uh, is gonna is, is carrying forward to Microsoft list tomorrow so a list still supports 30 million items a lot, you know a lot of people in the audience are thinking what about the 5,000 item limit what about the 5,000 item limit well 5,000 item limit is still is still there um, which really just means that the uh, you can't pull back uh, more than 5,000 items from a list at once from an indexed query right and so all the sort of um, things that you have to do today to make sure your queries are indexed, you still have to do that going forward. Uh, we are continuing to invest in our auto-indexing capabilities for lists. And so we, we run jobs in the background to ensure that the right columns get indexed to match the queries that end users are running. Oh, we're going to continue to make those more and more robust. So neither end users nor developers have to think too much about those indices. But if you're an experienced developer against SharePoint today and you've run up against that, that 5,000 item limit, and you've had to work around that, well, you're going to have to work around that tomorrow as well. Well, and, and to be honest, I can't remember the last time I ran into a throttling issue uh, on a SharePoint list because most people have understood that, you know, we're not writing data reports against, you know, like Power BI against it. So, you know, I don't think there'll be, be an issue to go forward. Right, right. Um, and now from an, uh, as a developer perspective, another big thing that folks are doing, uh, thinking about in list is the customization story. And you said everything that we know and love comes along for the ride. So column formatting is still the same as it is and all all those fancy things that we can do with uh, w with JavaScript uh, in the customizations is that still applicable? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's there's column and view formatting inside of lists, and there's kind of two ways of doing that. There's the um, power user JSON sort of way of doing that. We're continuing to expand that schema and syntax and making that more and more robust. And we're also putting a ton of work into the end user layer there as well. So uh, column and view formatting designer experiences. So if you don't want to write JSON, you can go and just click a few times and go and conditional format your list or create a simple view style. So that, that brings a lot of flexibility both to everyday users and sort of power users, you know, edging into kind of developer users as well. Uh, you can The SharePoint framework extensions that we allow on top of lists, including um, you know, field customizer, application customizer, um, and I think command set is the other one. Uh, those, those three still work on top of lists, of course, because lists are still lists. Uh, and so those, those are still a way of, of customizing the experience layer. There's one more. Uh, we're bringing kind of the, if you're familiar with column and view formatting, we're bringing kind of that same set of capabilities to forms as well. And so the same way you can write JSON to totally customize the layout of data inside of a field, you can now write JSON to customize the layout of fields inside of a form. And so you can build custom headers in, in SharePoint forms, custom footers, and build sort of multi-column layouts as well without having to go to Power Apps. Uh, Power Apps is still the best way to build a robust, you know, form-like experience that connects multiple data sources into one pane. And so Power Apps is still sort of the high-end uh, best of breed for that, but we're bringing more sort of, if all you want to do is put a header at the top of your form and rearrange the fields, we're, we're building more sort of native SharePoint capabilities for that. 
and I want to I want to call that out, right? Because this this is something that I know has been requested for a long, long time. Am I going to be able to customize the rendering of a field on a form? Is I know now we can do it in a list view, but what if I want to make this one field read only based on a condition or masked inputs of some kind? Do you know the extent that we'll be able to customize forms? Yeah, that's a good question. We're bringing some of the column formatting capabilities to forms. That's something that we're working on now. Uh, I think there's maybe another layer there. There's the, the SharePoint framework allows you to customize field rendering. And I think right now there's a divide between what you can do in the list view and what we can do in the form. I don't think we're working on that right now, unfortunately. I, I would need to go back and check and you know, we can give you a follow-up. That's certainly a user voice, I'm putting in air quotes, is that the stuff I can do in a list view in the browser, I'd love to be able to do on a view and edit form as well. So Yeah, we're, we, yeah we, we, we hear that feedback. We're working in that area. We'll have to go back and look at the feedback and make sure we're accelerating everything in the right way. Thanks. <laughs> That's one of the, I, I joke with Jeremy, one of the reasons I do the podcast all the time is because when I have questions in my day job, I get to ask folks to how to help me. So, but they, I appreciate that. Uh, this is fantastic. I love it. <laughs> um, now, you know, we talked a little bit uh, before about, every, you know, everything we know and love. And so I want to extend that a little bit. I know you're not in charge of the Microsoft graph, but the nothing has changed. I'm guessing it, how I interact with lists from the graph at this point is part of this initial release. Is that a fair enough statement that what we can do before we can still do, right? Yeah, we're, we're looking closely at that. Uh, there's a set of capabilities you can do against lists using the graph. That set of capabilities is staying the same. We don't have any improvements planned, uh, but we are looking closely at that. We know that there's a little bit of a divide right now between what you can do through the graph and what you can do through CSOM and REST. We want to close that gap. But I don't have anything to announce there uh, right now. Yeah, I guess the, the key story is there. The way you've done it always is the way you're still going to do it. I guess the one gap that I can think of, and, and maybe we can talk to this if you know, if users are creating lists in this new user interface, and then I need to access that list data, I may not know the location of it because it, users may not know, oh, it's in site XYZ, it's in whatever. So is there a way to discover where lists are or will... Will end users be able to communicate with us developers as to where they created the list that'll help me understand the addressable endpoint? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. We're, we're looking closely at that. The notion of having a list home means that there's sort of a namespace of lists for the current user, right? Like a user uh, has a page that rolls up their recent lists and their personal lists. Uh, there is an API story for getting at those things, but I'm not sure how consolidated it's going to be in graph in the first version. I think that's that's something we're we're focused right now on getting the end user experience out, getting people creating these lists. And we're going to come in and I suppose make up some of that lost ground at the API layer a little bit later this year. Right. Okay. The other part of that is if I'm using the again the power platform, I, I'm guessing the answer might be just when I'm on a list in a personal site. If I want to create a, a flow in Power Automate, that those buttons are still on the toolbar, right? Just as it's always been, right? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Lists are lists are lists, really. And so all of the features that work in lists and team sites are going to work in personal lists, and that includes Flow and sorry Power <laughs> Power Automate and Power Apps uh, as well. Yeah, excellent. A couple other questions that we jotted down is, why are we creating a lists app? Why is this, is this in response to the market or is this a response to com consumer questions or both? Can you speak a little bit just about why, why we think this might be something folks need? Yeah, you know, over the past few years, we've, we've been looking at the kind of software ecosystem and this, this category of apps that we call work management apps is really starting to catch on. Uh, and I'm not going to name 
any names necessarily, but but I'm sure the folks out there will, will have maybe one of their favorite apps in this category. One of these tools that you can anybody can log in and create lightweight databases for themselves and their teams. All these competitors have these sort of uh, one-stop shopping point, really convenient places you can go, spin up a new list, share it with their team. Uh, we wanted to offer that same kind of competitive experience as well. You know, if we're if we're spending a ton of energy making lists a fantastic modern tool for tracking information, we just want to make sure that as many people are able to discover those capabilities and easily come in, easily get back. Um, it's it's really just sort of a user love thing. And now you've mentioned a couple times uh, the summer release, right? So is, is that as close as we're getting on a, on a time frame is sometime this summer or is there uh, anything further than that? We have a bunch of stuff on the on the roadmap. You can check the roadmap for specifics. But there's a uh, when you think of Microsoft list features, it's not an omnibus. It's a bunch of separate feature trains that run independently. And uh, some of them have, have, are kind of already on their way to production or have recently been released to production. For example, we've recently uh, reached 100% of production with the uh, create a list from Excel feature. Uh, a bunch of editing improvements are coming down the line as well. You're going to be seeing lists home, uh, you know, start to light up in targeted release end of this month, early next month. Uh, and a lot of things are going to fast follow after that. Okay. And so um, I, I didn't even know about the create list from Excel. So I, I like that idea. So I guess the, 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 the what, can we speak of what is that? Is that different than multi-user editing in Excel or what does that look like for folks? Oh, that just allows you to pick an Excel file from your computer or from the current site peek into that Excel file and pull out one of the tables from that file and then create a list with the same data and schema as that table. Is that a copy of the data or is that a link to Excel or, you know, live updates? Yeah, it's a copy. Okay, so so adding a new item to the list won't necessarily update the Excel document then. Yeah, that's right. Okay, and and then so following up then, that, if I'm going to, what I'm going to see first is you're saying is the list's home and, and that would be the same thing as what uh, the app launcher, right? Is at the same time I see an icon there. So folks want to know when do I get lists? That's what they'll see first. Yeah, that's right. And so a lot of other features are going to kind of fast follow that rules, uh, improved teams integration, the new calendar view, uh, the ability to comment uh, on a list adjacent to its form, uh, a whole bevy of improvements to the quick edit experience, rebranding that as as our new grid view. That's just a, that's just some of the features that are going to be kind of fast following that. Um, can you talk more about what that Teams integration might look like? Uh, that, that's another kind of interesting thing there is uh, I can put some SharePoint things in Teams now, right? Is there a new and improved view here or is this really just uh, easier for discovery? I guess same questions I had before, right? But in a Teams context. Yeah, you can embed a list in Teams today. Uh, the work that we're doing ensures that uh, any list you embed in a Teams channel is fully featured and looks great. And so if you customize a list a certain way in the browser, all those customizations carry forward to that list inside of Teams as well. Uh, additionally, if you're inside of a team uh, and you create a new list tab, you can create a new list in addition to embedding an existing one. And so inside of Teams, you'll get all the same options for templates as you get in the browser. And so if you're in Teams, you can create a list, uh, start with the template and really do the entire thing all inside of Teams. You never have to go to the browser. You can also have conversations on list items inside of Teams. And so if a, if a list is embedded uh, as a tab in a channel, you can have channel-specific conversations on any of the list items. Okay, which which is similar to what we've done before around a document. So that kind of extends that paradigm. I, I, like, I like that idea as well. 
and I guess this might be a somewhat esoteric question, but if I have a list in my personal collection, which is in my site, and do I can I add that to a team, or do, do I have a, a a place to just interact with my individual items there, or is that once I do that now it becomes shared, or do you, can you expand a little bit on that, or is that still? Yeah, this is going to be a a little bit of a fast follow feature, and this is one of the the most common pieces of feedback that we hear for files. It's a, it's a very standard lifecycle story to say a file starts personal and then we'll move to the right share spa shared space when it's ready. And so we have a move verb on files. Uh, we don't have a move verb on lists yet, but we're uh, working hard on delivering that as soon as possible. Okay. Well, I guess another option could be if I'm in um, in Teams and the uh, I want to have a tab associated with a bot, and maybe that tab links to a personal list of, that I have. Um, I guess we'll, we'll have to kick the tires on that. Yeah. Yeah, you could do that. I mean, you need to make sure that that list gets shared with the right people, right? And so, just by embedding a personal list into a Teams tab, that doesn't magically share it. Uh, you go then have to go and kind of share that yourself. Yeah. Right. That that kind of makes sense. Okay. And so um, I know this, the, 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 it was a huge announcement. I did see a, a blog post that Mark Cashman had posted with 18 million links. What am I forgetting to ask you about as part of what lists is going, is now or will be that, that folks might be interested in? Wow. You've done a, you've done a really great job. Let's see what, what, <laughs> uh, let me think. And you, what are some stumpers you should be asking? Hmm. Uh, we have a mobile app. We have a mobile app coming. Uh, that's going to be coming later this year, but we're working hard on an iOS app for lists. And so everything that you do with lists, you can do in your pocket. So create lists, customize lists, share them, edit the data. Uh, you know, this is not a companion app sort of experience. It's a full-fledged uh, Microsoft list in your pocket application. So that'll be coming later this year. Uh, I think that'll be uh, really exciting for a lot of folks who want to really get deep and, and do a lot with lists. Um, I would agree. However, personally, I, there's no way I want to fill out a, a list form on my phone with my thumbs. I'm much more happier uh, looking at it. But yeah, I can see uh, that, that being a big use for folks on that. So um, awesome. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. This, again, it wasn't a, a super techie thing, but I know developers want to know what I can do with lists. And you can imagine everyone wants to know, you know what's next for the graph. So we'll certainly find the graph team and, and get the, their feedback on that as well. So thanks again for coming on here. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.M365DevPodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. 